Okay, so I'm back here with Eric again. Hi, Eric. How are you going, mate? Pretty good, yeah. Not too bad at all, thank you. And what's been happening in your side of the world? Uh, it's been pretty quiet. Uh, I got to enjoy Owen's uh, recorded session of a uh, competition game between the Sankurun San San uh, colony of Menor and his Gilded Thieves, which is kind of interesting. Uh, he did mention a couple of times during the game that he that was the first time he played it, so he, he didn't get some of the things right or took a bit of questioning in a bit of time. But it was, it was nice to see a game. Uh, I, I found myself kind of questioning some of the moves sometimes, like, but why do you need this or that? And like, it's been so long that I, I'm basically playing our armchair general just to try and get, you know, get that, that competition fixed. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's really good they're doing that because, yeah, for someone like myself and for other people who are just sort of getting into it again, uh, it's really good to see two people, two experienced players playing it out. It is. It is. Yeah, uh, I'm still wondering why he didn't use Scout uh, with the ferrets, because the ferrets should have an ability to give Scout to the bandits, uh, which are two units that he had uh, on the field. Uh, why he didn't pull that off, I don't know, but I figure he had a plan, and that's what he was doing. Okay, yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm not really, I have absolutely no idea what those guys can do. I didn't even know there was a Thieves Guild for... The Cadwellan faction, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's it's one of the uh, the major builds in the, the city. So are these like like the faction that um, I think it's John or James, the other guy who's playing the Middor faction? Uh, well, are they are they from actual card packs that you could buy? Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's one of the the, the, the colonies from card packs. Uh, I don't think there's that many, that much background about them. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the mineral colonies, I do have quick. They did have a quick write up description on the colonies in one of the Cryhavics. So when we get to that episode, I'm sure I'll have some time if you have some questions about what different colonies did. Or yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we haven't really covered that, like all the different um, card packs, all the different um, clans or factions you can play to. There was not a lot of fluff about those. Uh, yeah. Mostly we got a quick uh, half page uh, when the faction, when the actual faction got the, their sub-factions, so the faction packs covered, uh, it's about a half page for each faction pack or quarter page at most. Because uh, there's always a lot of illustration because it was cryonic, but it's basically just a quick description of what the that the background of it is and a quick description of the leader and that's pretty much it there's not a lot of meat to go on uh sadly there's a lot okay. of these i'd be i'd be more than happy to learn a lot more about them because that could lead to so much more cool stuff cool okay well maybe people can go to the discord channel and ask the law master i think they've got one of the ex uh, Rackham employees there Did talking you, about uh, law. So. Uh, yes, he was actually one of the uh, one of the writers who's there. Right. So yes, there you go. So he, he knows the stuff. Or if he remembers what he did, because uh, he didn't keep the file, he didn't keep any of his files. So it's mostly he's going from memory at this point. Okay, well, that's a good place to start. Most of it's out of his imagination yes. anyway, so he can make it up as he goes along, um, as he would have done. Okay, so. Today we're going to talk about the orcs, and I think we'll do that first. And at the end, if we have time, we'll go over some news and sure. share those channels from YouTube and that kind of thing for people to catch up on those if they want to. But um, to kick it off, we're going to talk about the orcs again today. 
Are we combining both the is it Brando core and the behemoth? Yeah, behemoth yes. Uh, there's together. not a lot of uh, fluff on either, so might as well just, you know combine them. That would make things a bit easier. Uh, so I'm looking over at the index for the articles and uh, Cry Havoc, and the behemoth is basically had one section about a painting guide. I had a quick overview, had a scenario bit, and that's pretty much it. And the orcs didn't have all that much either. So had a couple of scenarios, uh, had a bit of a hobby section about how they were modular for the, the new, uh, new boots when it came out. And otherwise, uh, a bit about the Banner Core trackers uh, and the uh, one tribe called the tri tribe of red lands, sort of red dirt, red earth, and cryhamic one. So, some fight, and a, an overview of the actual uh, faction pack. So, there's not a lot of, uh, of articles about those either. So. Right. Okay, well that's a shame. But anyhow, like you know, for myself and probably for many others, I have absolutely no idea uh, about anything about the orcs or where they came from or their origins or whatever and their place in the world of Arclash. Uh, again, we've got a uh, wonderful storyteller, Owen Staten from Wales. He's again kindly submitted a little bumper that's the bumper text or the flavor text in the uh, Confrontation 3 rulebook, which I will play for uh, for us now. So we can have that sort of a, as a sort of a, uh, a start before we get into the faction. So let's play that now. The Orcs of Bran O'Cor. The result of the crossing of human and goblin genetic strains, the orcs were created during the Age of Steel by the alchemists of Durs. While trying to create warriors to defend their empire, these depraved scientists didn't think that the seeds of insurrection had been sowed in the blood of their creatures. The orcs revolted and took the road to freedom. Their journey led them to Bran O'Cor, the land of the brave. The god, Jackal, took them under his wing. After having ensured their strength by giving them the soul of noble warriors, he opened them the gates to the world of spirits. Thus the orcs survived for decades, despite the dryness of the okra soil, the thirst for revenge of their creators, and the numerous invasions of their territories. Nowadays they are numerous enough to proclaim their sovereignty. Okay, thank you very much, Owen. Hope you enjoyed that, Eric. That was actually pretty badass. It is pretty good, isn't it? He's a, he's a professional, this guy. And... Um, uh, and I hope Owen can get some more professional work in the future uh, through our help and um, what he's doing with the Crown of Command. So that'd be really cool because he's got such an amazing talent to tell a story. And he really, he really enjoys doing these for us. So I'm, I'm really grateful that he can do it for us. So if you want to catch out more of uh, Owen's work, uh, I'll drop some links in the, in the show notes there. You can check out his YouTube channel and podcast. But um, for now, mate, I'll take it, send it over to you there, Eric, and you can take it away, mate. So the, that bumper description was actually pretty accurate. Uh, the orcs, the first orcs were created by the alchemists uh, sometime after they settled in the desert. Uh, they actually had a, a goblin delegation uh, go to them for basically trading purposes. And then with they being, basically the alchemists being 
the kind of weird lab mad scientists that they are, uh, basically decided to use the that, that group of envoys. Not so much if there was actually a bunch of merchants or some ambassadors. Uh, that detail was kind of left slightly because uh, depending on which description you read, it's either one of them um, or it could be both. Uh, and they actually just use those to, 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 to try and play mad gods as they usually do with various genetic strains. Uh, so yes, the goblins having some uh, easily mutable uh, genomes as, since they have the actual mutants in, in their fashion. Uh, I believe the, the, the mad scientists that the uh, other scope decided to try and use that. Um, so they actually created a bunch of creatures by mixing DNAs. Uh, they came out with the orcs. Uh, the first batch wasn't great. They actually had to come up with a couple more batches to uh, get the actual result they wanted. Uh, according to the fluff in the Ragnarok book, uh, the third generation of clones was the ones they actually ended up, keep, ended up keeping. Uh, and since at the time, uh, cloning was still relatively costly to make or do, uh, and in order to pre preserve resources, what they did is that they actually created a, uh, a strain of clones that was actually viable so they could reproduce, uh, which meant that the orcs didn't need to be cloned to have more of them. Uh, that's, of course, when they realized that the orcs were slowly starting to gain uh, some independent thoughts that they didn't want to keep, uh, instead of actually trying to wipe the, the to just start from scratch again, uh, they tried to just put down revolts, and that caused the actual uh, revolt of the orcs. Uh, a number of them actually uh, fled the city uh, with the scorpions in hot pursuit. Uh, I believe if there was about 400 left to see, uh, trekked through the desert until they reached the Branapur section. If you have the map, you'll realize that uh, and the complete right, complete east side of the map is the uh, Sierra, the desert for the scorpions. And just on the western edge of it is a set of canyons, which is the Brown of Core, uh, the land of the braves that the orcs settled in. Uh, they reached, when they reached it, um, they actually had a sign where a jackal was actually attacking the scorpion and just you know, ate it, which they thought was a, a good omen to try and fight against the scorpion troops that was they were chasing them. Uh, and that's where they settled. Uh, and after the battle against the scorpion uh, pursuers, which they won, they actually decided to disperse themselves in the canyon where they actually uh, grew for the past. Open. Uh, so the Thurs Heresy was in uh, 676, and the creation of the orcs was in 808. Uh, considering the fact that the dawn ritual is taking place in a th uh, at a 1000. Uh, the Orc River Revolt was in 852, so they've been around for about 150 years, uh, surviving and growing in numbers in those canyons. Uh, at the time of their settlement, uh, the Orcs in Branokor, a number of Orcs actually didn't feel safe uh, and continued their way. Uh, these Orcs, don't know how numbers there were, but considering the fact that 200 of them settled in Branacor, it can't have been more than 50 or so. Again, 
that was left undisclosed, but they kept on going, uh, avoiding contact with any other uh, nation or civilization until they reached the uh, peaks of the Behemoth, which are the, uh, the complete Western side of, of Arklash. Uh, they are basically the chain of mountains that keep uh, Acheron from uh, connecting with the mainland. There is a single mountain pass that goes, that actually opens away, and that is the Pass of Kyber. Uh, we'll probably talk about more about that one uh, with the Acheron and or the Lion factions, because that is an important moment in those two, important thing in those two. Uh, those, the Orcs of the Hamoth settled there after following some other visions, uh, found a, a tree that was a mystical tree called the World Tree. We still don't quite know what it was meant to do or be. All we know is that it was basically representing uh, destiny and neutrality. And uh, as last cry havoc uh, with the timeline update, the orcs had taken a cutting of the tree or a, uh, a spelling and were moving back towards the plains as the uh, Akron Ram was actually going on the full warpath and had been slowly uh, encroaching onto the mountains and uh, they felt that the tree was being threatened. So they were trying to get away with the tree uh, to protect it. Uh, that, again, that was Cry Havoc 17. We don't quite know where they ended up. We do know that they uh, were allowed to pass through the uh, lion lands after helping the lion with uh, a couple of battles, important ones of that. And then they settled part of Evacu. Uh, so again, this was when uh, the, the, the changes of the factions with the Age of Ragnarok uh, turnover when the new edition was coming out. Uh, this is the, uh, the old Celts were supposed to be uh, integrated to other armies, leaving the planes free. And that's where the orcs were supposed to be and finally probably join in with the, uh, and be merged with the jackal faction. So that was the uh, regular Brennacore orcs. Um, so the orcs themselves are, at least for the Brennacore section, are more of the spiritual types. Uh, if I was being unkind, I'd say that's probably a lot of cultural appropriation going on. Uh, they're basically the uh, Native American, uh, at least it's a very Native American view of, of what orcs are like. So it's a lot of tribes, uh, some of them nomads, some of them settled, uh, a lot of shaman, which uh, the orc magic is instinctive. They don't actually learn magic, they just kind of let the spirits of whatever's around them inspire them to cast spells. Uh, so they don't actually work with mana the same way that other mages do, um, which is why all the orc spells are mostly uh, these weird gifts of something, uh, like gift of the rhino or gift of the dead tree or gift of something. And each of them are generally buffs that give a skill to a unit. Uh, you have a few exceptions to that, and those are really notable, like uh, Rejection of the Earth, which is a annoying spell in Sal Hal. Uh, I don't know if you've ever faced that one in battle, but I hope you never do because it's, it's a staple in orc armies. It's basically the shaman cast a spell and the target gets lifted up from the earth as the earth actually rejects the actual presence of the target. So the target is actually stuck in midair for like a turn and can't do anything. 
So you can't fight, you can't move. Uh, if you can shoot, you can still shoot, but you target right to right target to, you know with the right targets, you basically just cripple the enemy. Uh, but yes, that's basically how the orcs work. Uh, their mystics are all called shaman. So whether they're priests or mages, it's always a shaman. Uh, their priests uh, worship jackal, and the, the actual mages listen to the spirits of nature that surround them. And draw the inspiration from that. Uh, the orcs are divided into tribes. The tribes, uh, actually, we did get a question about a clan called the Black Rock Clan. Um, I haven't seen anything from it. I don't know where the, I wouldn't even know where to begin with information about that one. Uh, as it's not one of the fashion, the fashion facts, it's not the actual uh, Trekker clan or the uh, Evagorox clan, which was the, the one from the uh, clan rocks. Uh, I, there's nothing really, I haven't seen anything in Cryhavic about that. I haven't seen anything in uh, the Ragnarok either. So if it was a, a reference from one of the cards, uh, I would have to go through the cards as well. I have time to go through every single one of them, sadly. Uh, but I could probably try to do that again at some point uh, because that is a question. And since I don't know the answer to that one, I will definitely try to look further into it. Uh, the various factions we do know are, again, uh, basically the, 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 the orcs are divided into tribes, which each have their own way, not their own function, but their own uh, way they work. Uh, for example, uh, at least one of the, uh, the orc tribes uh, believes they're nomads and will actually at some times work with one of the griffin temples, uh, which is, has established the area. Uh, there's one tribe which actually uh, lives in caves in the, uh, the, the cliff faces, uh, which maintain the temples to Sh uh, Jackal. Uh, there is one, uh, yeah, there's one tribe which I believe deals with the Afta fields uh, from which, in which trade with goblins uh, for, uh, to uh, supply them with Afta. So the mm -hmm. weird fuel that the goblins use comes from the Orklands. But yes, there's, again, each clan has its own thing. Uh, those were from the fashion packs. Uh, they are described in one of Cry Havocs, Cry Havoc number nine, at least in the French. Uh, they might be a different issue in English as sometimes there were some differences, but that's, um, uh, that's roughly where the most information comes from if you are interested in various specific factions or sub-factions of that. Again, we have a few of them, for example, like the, the Thunder Riders, which are the uh, Brontops Riders. So that was a Bronta, or a cavalry-based faction in the Orcs. Uh, but there's always a number of characters that weren't released that are named in those cards. And it's, it's always, a, you know, you always feel a bit of a, how do I put it? Um, regrets not having seen the character be released because sometimes you have these descriptions of, of wonderful characters that are like i wish we'd seen more of those yeah that's a shame yeah but i suppose that uh you know Cernos studios and continuum can now produce some of those long lost characters that we never saw or had cards hopefully. for that we had no miniatures for yeah hopefully yeah that, that would be a lot of fun uh, again I guess we'll see what happens. 
And yeah, at the same time, you, this, you can also use this to uh, to talk about the new the, the new releases and news for the, the week. Because I'm basically this is where we're going so far. Oh, man, that's good. Thank you very much again, Eric. I, I know you did tell us before that there were wasn't an awful lot of information uh, for the orcs, but that gives that gives us a pretty good you know backdrop as to uh, as to their sort of culture and uh, their behaviour, their magic. Um, how would how would they how would you describe them as being like a faction to play with? Were they uh, just like a very overly aggressive, typical sort of orc, um, you know. Brando core faction ability was basically brutal, which is uh, makes hitting a lot easier. And the faction ability for the behemoth was entrance. So you had a, a lot of heavy hitters. I won't say glass jaw because some of those orcs were really freaking tough. Yeah, at least the elites. Uh, if you look at the uh, the black or the jackal warriors were actually kind of tough. Uh, the Amok warriors were just nightmarish to deal with. They mm. they were horrendous as as facing them was always a chore. Uh, but yes, and then of course you had the different sub faction abilities which were really cool as well. Uh, so that had a lot. gave gave you know gave a good interest to, to the orcs, and then of course some really cool spell, a lot of buffs, uh, some really annoying one-offs that you you know you'd hope you work around. And since they were instinctive magic, you couldn't really do anything against them because uh, you can't counter the spells. Uh, I don't know if you can still absorb it, but yes, it was. It was a different faction to play with, but it, it had its own style, and it was it was a challenge. The, the orcs were always really challenging. I had some factions that had easier models to deal with. Orcs were generally one of those puzzles. It's how am I going to deal with this, and how am I going to try and pull, you know, get the best out of this situation? Well, aesthetically looking at the orcs, I was never like a massive fan of them when I first got into confrontation. And actually, they were, they were the first models I ever got. I got the um, the orcs with the, uh, I think they're orc brutes or they're mm -hmm. the orc warriors. The ones with the big like uh, mallets or carrying these huge double-headed yeah, mallets. Yeah. And yeah, I, I didn't know what to think of them at first, but I thought they were pretty cool models. But yeah, they just weren't really my kind of thing. But when I got the catalogs and had a look at the images of the the starter set you could get for them, Oh yeah, they they were just amazing, um, and I can definitely see that Amer Native American theme coming through with all the feathers and all that kind of yep. stuff. They're all tattooed, and um, yeah, they definitely got that Native American vibe to them. So, with with the magic, is it is it just they? Is it the only orcs that have the instinctive magic? They do. Uh, they can't do the usual uh, elementals, primogy, and uh, path. All they do is is just instinctive. So they'll grab a mana a gem or you know, mana a gem and they'll just kind of feel their way to, to casting spell. Right. So it's okay, it's uh, I believe it was one of the other Catwalon or the uh, Ragnarok book, which explained that uh, even elementals don't understand how the orcs do it, pull it off and are curious to and apparently orcs are a major curiosity for them. Because they mm. don't understand how orcs pull it off and want to know, want to figure that one out. Okay. 
Cool. That's yeah, that sounds more interesting now. Now that we've had these sort of law chats with you now, Eric, it's it's sort of giving us more information and, and gives us a bit of a, a theme to work with, I think. And again, it's all about the motivations of the of the factions too. You know, why they why are they here? Why are they fighting? You know, is it is it for domination? Is it for survival? Uh, if it weren't for the orcs uh, being under under threat by the uh, their creators, uh, I believe they they probably just want to be left alone. They are yeah. probably one of the more peaceful, one of the more one of the less aggressive ones. They uh, the main reason why they're fighting is because one, uh, the, uh, the the scorpions are always trying to exterminate them. Uh, it's been 150 years, and they still are one of the priorities in the scorpion, for scorpions because they consider them to be a, a mistake to be rectified. And the, uh, the griffin are slowly starting to encroach on their territory as well. Uh, the Temple of the East has, uh, is not too far from Manakor. The Temple of the South is uh, at the border of uh, the desert. Again, not too far either. Uh, and the, uh, the griffin have actually considered to be the, the canyons of Manakor to be where the tomb of their founder, Arcavius, is located. So they are have been sending out a lot more search parties and trying to reclaim the land as, as part of one of their crusades. Or it used to be one of the bits of fluff. I think it may have toned it down, but it was still something uh, which the orcs were responding against because, again, uh, people encroaching on their territory and they just want to be left alone. Yeah, it's amazing. Isn't it? I really like that sort of turn on the orcs, as in other fantasy genres or you know, in systems, they, they tend to be the aggressors. They tend to be the ones that want to dominate and take over and kill everything in sight and that kind of thing. No, but not that was a nice, it was a nice, nice piece here. Yeah, that's cool. I really like that, which I didn't know about until now. So that's really cool. Um, so looking at the Confrontation Club app, I'll just go through the pros and cons of the faction. So people are thinking about maybe taking the orcs and investing in an army at some point. Uh, their pros, uh, they say they're above average strength, available at a cheap points cost, which is pretty cool. Uh, they've got a strong attack and a racial ability to enhance the aggressive play style. Potentially the most potent magic, ma uh, magician, sorry, and spell lore in the game. So there you go. Um, so this instinctive magic must be the most powerful, or if not the most powerful uh, magic in the game. That's quite cool. So that's one good thing if you really like magic. Uh, the cons are average resilience and initiative, limited army variety of profiles, and mediocre shooting. Well, their initiative cannot be worse than the dwarves because the dwarves have generally zero, as I found out last week when I played them. <laughs> so, no, the dwarves, the dwarves are meant to be slow, but they're also yeah. meant to be played to play defensively, which makes sense for something slow. Uh, the orcs were, yeah, the orcs didn't have that much range attackers. Uh, I'm thinking they had the crossbowmen. The crossbowmen, yeah. Okay, but it wasn't really anything major. Uh, their their thing, they had a bit more. Uh, I feel they had more profiles, more variety than some of the other factions, like the druids, uh, and some of the later ones. Uh, basically, the Leki, the Ophidians, Leki, Ophidian druids. At least the orcs had more profiles than those. But I feel that admittedly they didn't have as many releases as some of the more popular factions, or at least I feel like the more popular factions had more more variety. But it, they didn't need that. You had some solid solid troops, solid choices in there, and if you really wanted to pull out some big guns for characters, you could also do it easily. Yeah, yeah. I think most of the factions that started from Computation, like the first edition. 
they had what three editions basically to you know all those years where they could make different profiles and cut, uh, design lots of extra models. It was only the later factions that really suffered that because yeah, looking at the what the one good thing about that um, Computation Club app is that you can have a look at all the profiles and see exactly what was released or you know for the factions and gives you a good idea what kind of models are around at that time. So yeah, some suffered more than others. But uh, yeah, lots of profiles for the Orcs. Uh, I'm in love with the Amox Slayers now. I think I'm, they're going to be my my army of choice at some point in the future, if I can get a handful yeah, of those. Yeah, Amox Slayers. Amox Slayers were rough. I don't remember seeing Facing Raptors. Uh, they were interesting, also visually interesting Orcs. Uh, basically, they were uh, Orcs that scavenged their gear off the battlefields. So it's a lot of old pieces from various factions stuck together. Okay, interesting. So, the, yes, I believe they were part of the Trekker clan, so that would be uh, Avant Gorok's clan also used raptors in there. So they were, I, I don't remember what they were doing exactly. Avant Gorok was a hero who was available separately from the clan. Mm -hmm. uh, he was part of it. Um, he was basically a, uh, a fugitive from the, uh, the Scorpions. The Scorpions actually put a bounty on his head. Uh, due to him actually wrecking their stuff too often. Mm -hmm. uh, so yes, that was uh, the shadow Kitharan Sar was technically his shadow. Ah, okay. Now the shadow, the shadows you talked to me about before, but I still don't really understand exactly what they are. So we'll have to have a special episode on the shadows, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, we can have an entire episode on the old incantation incarnation. Yeah, uh, yeah, let's do that. I'm sure that'd be that'd be a lot of fun for some people because it had some interesting ideas. Uh, they didn't keep a lot of it. Uh, and the Dara, the Dogs of War uh, campaign mode for Confrontation 3 didn't quite do the same thing, no. sadly. But yes, uh, this is where Rackham kind of gave us a bit of fluff about some of the characters, uh, gave us some scenarios, gave us some, some cool stuff. And the concept behind uh, incarnation and what's Incarnates are and what they're meant to do is, is I thought was fascinating. Yeah, I'm really interested in that as well because, like today, we're going to play a game. Uh, like a bit later on today, we're going to play Kanye's uh, backstory, his narrative story, and because those miniatures came with those card packs with the acts on it, Act One, Act Two, Act Three, it gave you some really nice, um, you know, fluff to the, uh, you know, the story and character and that kind of thing. And you have to play through each act and you have like victory defeat um you know bonuses or whatever it might be and it would give you a, a certain scenario that you could play and yep. um and yeah that that i'm really interested in and i missed out on all that kind of stuff so we need to definitely go over that at some you, point you, because you missed out but not that much uh i think incarnation is probably the weakest uh sub rules uh, the rule sets or sub rules of the entire uh, c1 and c2 wasn't written as as firmly or as, as precisely as it should have been, especially for something that was uh, supposed to be a campaign scroll set. But again, I'm, I know you will see, you, you, I, I'm working on something and I'm, I'm sure you'll, uh, you'll appreciate it. Okay, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'm really interested in that because it's, it's, it's a really fun, well, we talked about it through the week anyway, but having, you know, making scenarios for the game because one thing I don't I don't want to see, and I you know I played Infinity for years in the IT ITS system, 
uh, a lot of pointless kind of missions where you're doing something, but you don't know why. <laughs> so so I, like, I like having scenarios where there's a clear objective, there's a clear story behind the two factions meeting, that there's a purpose for them uh, confronting each other. Um, so I really like that. It's a progressive story that goes through. Well, you're playing Kahinir's uh, storyline. Are you going to be doing the uh, Goblin Pirates one? I think they have one or two uh, storylines, if memory serves. The yeah, Captain Krill has his, has his own sort of act cards. We're going to do those. And I'm basically collecting all the characters that have them. Okay. So there's one for the Midnor, and there'll be ones for other factions as well. Yes, and... there's one for most of everyone. I believe some of the later ones might not. Yeah, uh, I think drones though don't, uh, the Daikis don't, the Cinewalls don't. Uh, yes, Cinewall, Daikini, drones, uh, the Devourers have. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just trying to off the top of my head. But uh, the uh, one of the acts for the, the Goblin Pirates is basically uh, the uh, uh, the brother-in-law of Captain Krill, who is also one of the pirates, it's Mr. Difter. Oh, Difter, yeah, yeah. Yes, he's basically the uh, the sponsor of the expeditions. Um, actually, got drunk oh. one night, uh, got himself a treasure map, either before okay, or after getting drunk, and since he didn't want, he since he knew he was drunk and didn't want to get his treasure map stolen, he basically had the map tattooed himself and destroyed the map. But the map doesn't have any coordinates or any markings. He instead teaches all of the information to his parrot and loses the parrot. And the entire scenario is that the goblins are actually trying to get their hands on the parrot while the, the enemy is trying to get also get their hands on the parrot because since he was drunk, he, he told everybody that he had a treasure map. And they figure everyone figures that the, the parrot's the one with the, the actual information. So they're trying to get the parrot. Ooh, excellent. That's, that's, that sounds awesome. Uh, yes, yeah, so, so I really love those kind of things. Yeah, right. That's also why if you look at the actual model, uh, the actual studio paint job on the model, he actually has a map tattooed on his belly. Right. Because that's the map he got tattooed when he was drunk. Cool. Awesome. Um, yeah, so many good things. And I, I love it when a game doesn't take itself, itself, itself too seriously. So they've got, they've got factions where there is a bit of a comedy element. There's a bit of entertainment in there. Oh, God. The, the goblins were, were puns. All yeah. the names of the goblins are, are based on puns, or almost all of them. Yeah, uh, they yeah. make more sense in French, uh, but most of these, if not, yeah, it's 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 puns. It's very a lot. It's a lot of puns buried into into everything. Uh, but you also had scenarios which were a pain in the ass. Pardon my, my language. Uh, I know Salius uh, is one of the the, the the best examples of that. Uh, he had a scenario. It's, it's not just a scenario, it's a scenario that had to be repeated consistently. Uh, his first incarnation, so basically it's the original set of scenarios that are, were not uh, reprinted for C2, mm. actually had him create a zombie that would be animated via uh, alchemical means and not through necromancy. So he actually had to go and Frankenstein his zombie. So he, the scenario is that he has to kill an enemy character with a wound in a location that for a limb that he doesn't actually has it he hasn't collected yet so he has to repeat these in the scenario once for each different twice for the legs twice for the arms once for a chest and once for the arm for the head so he actually has to kill an enemy with a wound in that location wow okay 
That's awesome. Yeah. Yes. And once he's got the, the parts, he then has to, you know, it's another scenario to animate the zombie and then another scenario to actually. But yes, it's, it's one of those things where like, okay, so I'm getting ready. We've done the first scenario. We're on our way. And then I have to repeat this one <laughs> five times or six times in order to get enough limbs to go. Oh, God. And of course, <laughs> since we all know how the, the wound system works, you actually have to wound at that location. So, yeah, yeah that's right. Luck. Exactly. Good luck with that one. Yeah. Okay. Well, my, my opponent has just turned up in the driveway. So, we're going to just briefly go to the news query before we jump into sure. the confrontation table. So, I'm going to, uh, let's see. Can you see this here? Yes, I can. Okay, so this is the Confrontation Club app. It's now available on the App Store and the Play Store. So yes, I downloaded it early, I think yesterday or the day before. So yes. Cool. I, okay. I'm going to be playing a lot with that one because I'm very excited to see what happens with it. Yeah, I mean, even for people who have never played Confrontation, who are just interested, it's got a little bit about the the factions. It's got the rule book on there for free. It's got the um, the 3.5 rule changes as well, and every single army in there, or every single profile. It's got all the artifacts and spells, as you can see here. So you can build, you can sort of start building and tinkering around with lists and that kind of thing to your heart's content. And then if you think, well, I think I might um, be serious and actually, you know, dropping some money on some figures, well, you can do that through the Facebook groups. There's lots of marketplaces where people are selling secondhand goods uh, with cards and that kind of thing. Um, if you feel like you want to be a supporter uh, of the Confrontation Club, you can uh, you can send the guys two dollars uh, two dollars ninety nine per month, and uh, get your name on the supporters page. So we have a few supporters now uh, joining the joining the club and just keeping everything uh, alive. Thanks to Kulzarak and the ex Executor for those two guys putting us all together for us. So we're really um, enjoying. Um, their labors now because wow it's such a beautiful looking app to look at and to play with everyone i've seen and talked about have been really really impressed with this so yeah thank you very much guys for that and uh, the other news i think we're gonna we're gonna save till later unless i can bring up right now i can actually uh just a couple of shout outs here to the end of the world gaming uh, i think this is jeremy who's putting this channel together i think he's been sort of starting this through covid and he's a very passionate uh, confrontation player from way back in the early 2000s and now he's decided to make a channel for it from youtube so if you're interested in looking at some of the factions um you know his sort of rationale behind uh, the choices he's made for his army list before playing games of confrontation with his friend uh, I think John that, that uh, he games with. There's a couple of battle reports there and there's a couple of faction overviews of the models, the cards, and um, he talks about their particular stats and that kind of thing, which is quite good. Oh, we've got the bell sounding in the background there. Sorry if that's going to be an interruption. But lastly, but not least, we've got uh, Splitting the Fray. That's our good man, Owen, uh, Owen Matthew Aurelio. Uh, we just talked about uh, his battle reports and he has put a few up here already. Uh, he's got the Thieves versus Minnor that we talked about earlier. That's a four and a point confrontation game using 3.5 rules. And he's got another one. Uh, the first one he did, which is a Minnor versus Behemoth Orcs. So we just talked about the Orcs. If you want to see the Orcs in action, that's probably a very good place to go. Uh, just, just give just give Owen a lot of grief because all these unpainted models. He'll love that. Uh, I do that all the time. So, but uh, thank you guys for, for supporting the confrontation community with these channels. It's been a really yeah. great insight as to how to play the game, uh, which is for great for people like myself who are really just beginning 
The more, so, the better. Yep, absolutely, mate. The more, the better. The more creators we can get, uh, the better for, for everybody. So with that, uh, Eric, I'm going to say goodbye and thank you very much again for your time. Enjoy your evening. Pleasure. And um, I don't know what faction we're going to talk about next time. I don't know. I guess we'll see what the community wants to see. We'll give we'll give them time to vote and let's see what they come up with. Hopefully, I pray, dwarves or goblins or midnor. Yeah, that'll be excellent. Yeah, I really hope for those, any of those three. So, guys, you've, you've got your orders. <laughs> Start voting. <laughs> okay, Eric, take care, mate. Take care. Thank you.